A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Hi, welcome to another episode of Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm your host, Yishan. I remember in my first episode, I mentioned there are more than 70 different sleep disorders out there, one of those called narcolepsy. In United States, every 2,000 people, one may be impacted by narcolepsy. So that's over 3 million people around the whole world. So what is narcolepsy? And what is the difference between narcolepsy type 1 versus type 2? How do you know you have that or not? And how that can change your life? Today, our guest Iris Larena from London to share with us her life journey of getting the diagnosis and how to deal with it afterwards. Hi, Iris. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hiya, thank you for having me. So glad to have you. So I actually read your stories online. I knew you were diagnosed with narcolepsy type 1 disorder. Yeah, I was diagnosed in um, 2017. I think I just remember I was 28, so (laughs) that was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to share with us, with the audience, a little bit of your journey and what led to the diagnosis? Yeah, I think, um, well, I think the most interesting part is the fact that I actually now, looking back, I realized that I was, I started having symptoms at 15. Wow. So that was 11 something years, like 13 years. a long time to find the answer. What yeah. kind of symptoms around age 15? Well, it, this is so, it's the strange bit because I see it very separately. When I was 15 until about 20, I started having loss of muscle control. So I would laugh and my face would tremble. I didn't know why. And sometimes I felt like I wanted to laugh, but the laughter, the sound would not come out. I thought it was just me, you know, and it was something that it's very strange to say, but it was very subconscious. I just didn't think that I should tell anybody about it. I was embarrassed, you know, so I would just avoid laughing. I would avoid getting scared or avoid any of that. Feeling strong emotions, basically. Wow. That that sounds really hard at age 15, between 15 to 20 years old, which was the most fun time in your young Teenager, excited. You cannot love, you try to hide it. And I know love is one of the most significant triggers mm-hmm. for yeah. narcolepsy. Catoplexy. Yeah, catoplexy. Yeah, because the I have narcolepsy type one. So type one is narcolepsy with cataplexy, and type two is without cataplexy. And cataplexy is basically the loss of sudden, you know, so loss of um, muscle control when you experience strong emotions. There's different levels, you know. I think mine, I consider myself very lucky because <laughs> mine is just face and a little bit sometimes knees, but there are people who actually have 
whole episodes as if they were, you know, epileptic attacks and they can drop on the floor and shake and they really can't control themselves. And other people completely blank out and they will kind of look as if they're dead. So eyes closed, can't move, but they're completely conscious. But my cat's placey attacks do vary depending. Right. So for you, mostly it's facial muscles and your knee can get buckled. When I'm awake. But when I experience um, my sleep paralysis, that's the hallucinations. And that's another thing that I started experiencing at 15. And I did not realize until now, because now you join up the memories and they start coming back to you. And I remember my friends, I had a very, very good friend. She's Nigerian. (laughs) And she would say, Iris, you need to go to church. You're possessed. You know, Uh you keep seeing things. I didn't think I was possessed, of course, but now I remember just because she said that, it made it memorable. Mm-hmm. So now I remember that I had that when I was 15 and I didn't realize. Yeah. So that's a long journey to really figure out an answer, right? To connect all the dots. Those are random, weird things happening in your life. Exactly. That just don't, you just don't feel like they're connected. You know, how are you going to connect? a something like you know feeling loss of muscle control when you feel something funny or sleeping badly or seeing maybe a ghost (laughs) you know when you think oh my god there is a ghost in my house there must be (laughs) so something like you know excessive daytime sleepiness which is what I started experiencing when I was about 21 Oh, so one symptom after the other across the years, you just start experiencing quite a lot, very different symptoms without knowing Mm -hmm. narcolepsy, what that is. It's very hard for us to connect all this together as one category. That's why there's so many people that, I mean, they say the average of people being diagnosed takes eight to 15 years. Wow. That is why people take so long to be diagnosed because it's not something that you connect together. They're not symptoms that seem connected or have a sequence. And mine was from 15 to 21. I didn't start sleeping until I was 21. Wow. Then what got you eventually get the diagnosed? It must be a hard journey. Oh, it was it was terrible. I mean, I mean, I really had a difficult journey because at 24, I moved to Angola, uh, which is where I'm from, Angola in Portugal. <laughs> and basically, there is a very hot climate, and that, ha- that affects a lot, <laughs> your, your sleepiness. And I think that's what triggered it, actually, because I didn't sleep before. I started sleeping at work, would sleep in meetings <laughs> with clients. It started really affecting my personal life, but I think the catalyst was probably the week that I had two very dangerous incidents happen. And one of them was when I was driving at 12 o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) with my friend in the car, thank God. And I suddenly just felt myself shutting down. You know, it's as if somebody is literally putting like a blank cover over you, of your, your mind. I couldn't even tell her I'm shutting down, you know? My hand's just starting to lose control on the wheel. And then the wheel started going to the right and she felt the car turn. And that's why she was like, you know, she shouted and she was like, Iris, <laughs> you know, wake up. So that was one. And then two days later, 
I went home uh, after work, 6 p.m. You know how you go home, you make a snack. And it was something really basic. I think it was noodles or something. <laughs> and I sat down on the couch. And, and then that's the last thing I remember. Sitting down. And when I wake up, I just have this smell of smoke hit my nose. And basically the whole pot was like catching on fire. I mean, wow. yeah, if I'd had waited a few more minutes longer, then could have been very disastrous. And I thought that is not normal. Yeah, so that was very dangerous. Two life-threatening events. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and just but suddenly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Fall asleep just like that. And no matter, yeah. I would assume, no matter how much you slept the, the night before or you try to get asleep, try to rest, it won't help. It just happens. Not at all. I, I Sometimes I would go to sleep super early. I would make sure I would sleep super early. And then... I remember every single morning I had a mantra. I was like, today, you are not going to fall asleep, Iris. You will not fall asleep. You're going to be awake. You're going to be alert. You know, I would have little things like if I felt myself kind of getting a bit hot, I'd go up, get up, go get a cup of water, go to the toilet. And still, it still happened. (laughs) I had no control. Wow. Yeah. So after those two events, you decide to do what to figure it out? Myself, I'm a big researcher. Uh, I think the internet has the answers to everything. So <laughs> I started just typing out stuff on Google. <laughs> it's like, oh, why can't I stop sleeping at work? Why, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I eventually got to the word narcolepsy. And as soon as I read all the symptoms, I, I felt, oh my God, that is me. They're speaking about me. So I just rang, obviously, because in Angola, they do not have neurologists. They do not have the medication. They, nobody knows what narcolepsy is there. Oh, wow. Because it's still a third world country. Hmm. And I did actually book a meeting with a neurologist, but she didn't know what narcolepsy was. Luckily, I had the conditions to have a family to support me and buy a ticket. So I went to Portugal where my mom was. And I had the diagnosis there, which is the the sleep study. <laughs> so basically stay there, you know, do the, the exams and, and it was confirmed. Mm, I see. Yeah. I know for like a narcolepsy diagnosis, you do need overnight sleep study and you also need further different type of tests normally like two yeah. days. And I think in Europe, they do even more different type of protocol. We, I only did two. I did this is the one with sleeps and then the one where I stayed there during the day. So they control how many times you wake up. So they will come in for an, half an hour and tell you, you have to go to sleep. And then you, after half an hour, you get an hour where you stay awake, an hour sleep, an hour awake. And they test how long it takes <laughs> for you to fall asleep. And it took, I think the average person, they said, if they sleep, it takes about 15 minutes. I took about 3.5 <laughs> wow less than eight Five that's times. the cutoff yeah. yeah yeah i don't know whether you have sleep onset ram and that's something sometimes they look also mm-hmm. like directly into ram sleep um yeah yeah wow so sounds like you really on top of this you yourself kind of like start questioning this is not normal mm-hmm. it must be an answer i need to figure this out and you it's even amazing just by Googling all the information, you could find this word narcolepsy. 
Yes, but you you really kind of think, I don't know, I, I love research. I always say that YouTube is my teacher, my psychologist, my counselor, my everything, <laughs> because everything that you want to know is, is there. And I just, I, I always never understand how people don't understand like the gift that we've been given with Google. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Wow. But that still, that took you from 15 years old to 27 years old. Wow, that's that's such a long time. But finally, I'm so glad that you got the answer. Yeah. And you got diagnosed. And is that the end of story? <laughs> no, unfortunately, not happily ever after. <laughs> I think I suffered more after my diagnosis than before. Oh, how come? It's just it's a lot harder because once you get diagnosed, they, you know, I basically was still living in Angola. So my doctor prescribed me the pills but she was in Portugal and every time she said when I needed she would prescribe me six months and every six months she would give my mom the medication my mom would have to then find somebody who'd be going to Angola (laughs) to ship it off and I had no supervision you know daily monthly no supervision no support and the medication can have a lot of different side effects on your body, especially in terms of, you know, panic attacks, palpitations, even your mood swings, everything. So I feel like I changed a lot after my medication and people didn't understand, you know, mm. that was the difficult part because even I didn't understand, you know, what was happening and nobody really warned you about that. <laughs> Right. And supposedly, typically, we take the medication, we have follow-ups with doctors once in a while, adjust it, and see how you're doing. But yeah. the, this this living situation and in that country, this whole mm-hmm. difficulty just stop you from getting the follow-up care. Yeah. Wow. Completely. And that's why I, I mean, I left Angola for uh, last year in October. And then I lived in Portugal for a year, but I now know because I left Angola in the two days. I decided in two days and I went to Portugal because of my hallucinations. Oh. I had the worst hallucinations you can ever think of that lasted three days. So I thought my house was infested with bugs. Wow. <laughs> That's scary. That's, yeah. I was working a very, very, very stressful job so I was um, basically leading 10 people in within the events industry and I was sleeping about four hours a day not eating not doing anything and just taking the pills and that's it and I think the pills really just were kind of what I depended on to, to, to be normal but they also take away your appetite so you can go the whole day and you don't know, you don't even remember food. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I know for narcolepsy, narcolepsy treatment, medication is not the only solution. It only can do so little for you. There are a lot of other um, mm-hmm. behavioral techniques yes. and lifestyle yep. change. Exactly. You need to follow. Yes. Even dietary changes, you know, because I know that a lot of people, I've tried the keto diet as well. Mm-hmm. They say that's very good, taking out the carbohydrates, which is very true. Because mm-hmm. if you notice, 
on a Friday, you know, if you eat something really, really big, like, and then full of carbohydrates, it kind of makes you sleepy, mm. even if you don't have narcolepsy. <laughs> so it is, carbohydrates is definitely, but I think that is, that is the actual problem. Nobody tells you what the solution is and you have to figure it out on your own uh-huh. all the time. Every single person that goes through it figures it out on their own. And I was in such a isolated country in terms of information, of technology, of, of everything. People don't really take it very seriously. They don't take sleep seriously. So they think you're just kind of exaggerating, mm. you know? But yeah. I think it was when I started having the hallucinations and my sister went to my apartment and she was like, there's nothing here. <laughs> and I was like, yes, can't you see them? And she was like, okay, this is not normal. I packed up my whole house in two days, sold everything and went to Portugal. And then this year came to the UK. You know, it's been a lot better, I think, in terms of information of support groups and finding Project Sleep this year was my saving grace Mm. it's just that emotional support connection with other people that go through it makes all the difference yeah it's so important sometimes when we struggle with something so difficult so challenging and sounds like no cure no good solution have someone there going through similar things or at least understand Mm -hmm. yeah because i think Especially people, I feel with narcolepsy, you can, I mean, I, I wrote my blog as a way to hopefully really tell people what you go through, you know, in depth, <laughs> to actually display it all out there. And especially for my family, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think I wrote it for them, most of all. And um, even reading it, even knowing people who don't go through it daily, they forget. So they know, they support you. But then tomorrow they'll be like, oh, well, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you being weird? Or why are you being in a bad mood? Or, and they forget that you're taking pills every single day that affect your moods, that affect your, you know, everything, you know, your, your mental state. And I, I just don't think it's talked about enough as well. Right. I know um, as psychologists, when, if we're going to help support sleep disorders such as narcolepsy, they're part of involves educate the, the family members how to yeah. support people diagnosed with narcolepsy because it's, it's not something come naturally. It involves a lot of understanding what this is, what that may look like, and how family can really offer yeah. the support that is, is help, really helpful. Yeah, because... I think it's completely understandable. I mean, you're trying to, the same way you're adapting, they have to adapt to something that they have no idea what it is and they don't feel it's not in in their DNA. You're forced to adapt because you do feel it. You feel the difference. But they have to adapt because you've told them they have to. And I think there's a big difference in that because you can't force somebody to understand how you feel and you can't, you know, really expect them to, I guess. And I think sometimes we do, you know, we're like, oh, I feel like crap today. Well, yeah, you should just know, you know, no, you shouldn't know, you know, I have to explain it to you, but you have to be open to understand. And I think I've been learning that with my family because 
the first time my sister actually was witness to one of my cataplexy attacks was this year. Oh. And it was a really funny, actually, <laughs> because I, it was actually the worst one I've had yet. But I think I hadn't eaten breakfast. <laughs> so I wake up in the morning and she was in the kitchen and I don't know what I wanted to say to her. She said something and it just made me like really angry, but laughing at the same time. And I just felt my knees give. So I just fell on my knees <laughs> in the middle of the kitchen <laughs> and my sister was panicked. And she was like, oh my God. And I think, you know, when you just instinct, she just comes and she like sits on the floor with me. I'm like, well, I need you to actually help me up. I don't need you on the floor. (laughs) She was so shocked. So, you know, I think sometimes they they do forget. You can see it in those moments. Right. So after that moment, do you feel like your sisters start understanding more? No, they still forget. They do because I feel like sometimes if you haven't imagined, sometimes I'll have a bad day, but there are times where I'll have a bad week or even a whole bad month. You, you, you don't know. And I feel sometimes people might feel that you are using it to your advantage because oh. they don't quite know how much it can paralyze you. I mean, there, there were days where I would every single day for five days, no matter how much I tried, I have responsibilities. <laughs> I could not get out of bed. All I would do is sleep. Even with the pills. Sometimes the pills, when you're in that state, the pills do nothing. Nothing. Mm. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of really hard challenge, sounds like. And But you are really trying your best. Uh, adjust your living situation. Find mm. the support taking the treatment as yeah as best as you can are you able to so you're in uk right now i know uk has pretty yeah. good sleep uh specialists sleep doctors so well, yes yeah. uk has another whole type of support it's not even portugal compares it has a really very good support system it does mm, so you are able to have follow-ups with sleep doctors now well, I've only been back for a month, so I'm oh. still waiting to be referred. I but I, I have, um, I met actually a few friends through Julie <laughs> um, from Project Sleep. So she gave me a few contacts here in the UK and they've referred me to hospitals <laughs> right. that I should go to. So yeah, I have a completely different support system here, completely. Yeah, that that's great. That's very important. Another thing I noticed you mentioned on your Twitter is the symptom of brain fog. Is that something you also experienced during this this course of your own journey? Yeah, I think the brain fog is something that gets worse with time, in my experience at least. And it's just the brain fog is, the only way I can explain it is when you wake up in the morning, right? Imagine it's freezing outside, 5 a.m., and that first second that you wake up and your head is kind of disorientated and you're still trying to make out wait what day is it that's brain fog that sense of being cloudy and feeling like you you know what's going on but you can't quite concentrate can't quite focus it's it's a very very strange sensation but most people with narcolepsy do experience brain fog and it's just not considered 
its own symptom, and I think it should. Yeah, that's interesting because when I pre,、uh, when I took the sleep board exam,、uh, when I studied narcolepsy, brain fog this word was not there. Not even、really? something similar. It's not as at, at least it's not as a diagnostic criteria we、yeah. have to be aware of. And I I talked to limited number of people with narcolepsy. Uh, they haven't used this word yet, so I'm very curious. You and、uh, wow. people you know, what that look like for you? How that impact your life? Yeah, because I think for me, brain fog is one of the worst parts of narcolepsy. Because I can actually be awake; it's fine. I know there's also there's brain fog, and then there's automatic behavior, right?、Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, the automatic behavior is another symptom, but I find that it's very usually it happens when I have brain fog. Imagine I, I was working in a, a shop earlier this year before Corona. It's just such a, a feeling like you need to sleep so bad your brain needs to shut down, but you know you can't because you're working or because you're in a public place or because you're somewhere. So physically, you know you cannot do that, but your brain is so. Gone, that a part of it shuts down, and you can still continue to do normal things like, you know, Eva. I'll, I'll use yesterday's example. I was painting last night, and I do not remember <laughs> because it's like a part of you continues doing what you're supposed to be doing, but that other side of you, something in your brain switches off, and it's just. It's like you're in a dream. It's very, very strange. I see.、But、I experience it a lot. I do. Wow! It, it just by imagining that part of you constantly doing something and you don't remember part of that. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's gotten me in trouble. Even at, in Angola, it used to happen at work. I remember the first week of my new job. My boss pulled me into a meeting to pass a new client. It was like after it was three p.m. and it was just the worst time for me because that's after lunch. <laughs> and literally, I was just like, "Oh my god, Iris, you're gonna sleep? Do not do that." So I was so scared that I was gonna fall asleep that I continued writing what he was saying, and my eyes were open. It was all scribbled. I do not remember any of it. Wow, it's just. It's, it's like an, a survival part of your brain that you know keeps you physically awake. I don't know. Yeah,、but. really feel like a zombie, right? I'm, yeah, I'm opening、yes. my eyes, doing things, but my brain's not really <laughs> connect with what I'm doing. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. <laughs> wow. I was not surprised. This kind of symptom, of course, gonna get us in trouble. In life, with people we know, or at work, especially if you do something you don't remember, and oh god, yes, brain's not there. Send emails to clients, and you know they they don't make sense. <laughs> right. Wow. Oh, yeah. So over the journey, anything you find being really helpful so far? Sounds like you are taking medication, even though there are a lot of side effects. The mood、mm-hmm. really got impacted. Sounds like you find some support group really helpful. Anything、yeah. overall you find that is quite helpful, or if we change it to another way, if we go back twenty when you were twenty seven, two thousand seventeen, when you were first、mm-hmm. diagnosed, what would you like to tell 
the older version of you to prepare all these years? Oh, I think if I could go back to her, I would just tell her, calm down. <laughs> This is not a cure. I think it's the fact that we have to accept. I don't like using the word normal, but, but it's the only thing I can use. You know, you're not a normal functioning person. So, you know, just accept that. And I think it's very, that was very hard. I only accepted it this year. And, you know, I only told people this year. I've lived years without telling anyone. And when I published my blog, that's when I came out, <laughs> let's say. Because I was so embarrassed by, by the illness. And I just feel that is something I was definitely saying. You know, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. You're different. You're not normally functioning. But you just you have to accept that you cannot. You have to adapt to life, unfortunately, you know. Yeah, I totally love it. I think this year with COVID, everyone was forced to adapt mm. to a new norm, right? Yes. The world is is not normal anymore. Uh, our yeah. life is different. We all need to adapt it. And you are adapting to a newer version of yourself. It's still you. And the, the more you accept yourself, the possibly less uh, stress. Yeah. You I mean, to be honest, yeah. the, it was definitely me because i i've actually contacted i wrote my blog my first post and then i contacted julie on twitter mm -hmm. and i thought oh my god this girl this woman's never gonna reply to me she's you know presidency of huh, she's too cool for me <laughs> and she replied straight away and being she invited me to do the rising voices of narcolepsy writing program and then eventually she invited me to be part of the world narcolepsy day committee great and you know just That has made all the difference because regardless of what goes on in my normal life, I feel like I'm doing something that matters. So for, for me, that, that's, that has saved me, keeps me going. Yeah, because life can be very meaningful. And I'm yeah. so happy you are totally transformed from this yeah. experience into... <laughs> finding a meaning in life and tell your story, help other people and inspiring more people, help everyone find hope if they are going through similar things, if they are the older version of you. Yeah, because you don't want people to have to go through what I went through. I mean, I had a very bad batch with, with medications where I had to change them all the time. You know, with narcolepsy, you cannot stay on the same medication all the time because they lose effect after a while. And, and that's the worst part. And you have to take medication to stay awake, medication for the cataplexy, medication to go to sleep, medication <laughs> to not have nightmares, not have hallucinations. And I feel like you need somebody that's going to sit down and say, hey, I'm going to explain how your life is going to be now, okay? Because you just think, it's just sleep, you know? Nothing's going to change. Everything's going to change. Even the way your relationships are is going to change. The way people deal with you is going to change. Right. So have this expectation. Uh, be, be ready. Be prepared to help us accept ourselves first and help other people. It can really help other people to interact with us better. 
definitely because i was i mean when i published my blog i was shaking i think i was literally so shaking not physically because i thought people weren't going to be accepting but it was such a cathartic moment i think and definitely after that my life changed after that it was me before blog and after blog (laughs) oh wow so after that's my question i want to ask you worry so much you hide this for so long because you must worry how other people would react right after you start writing and getting out all this to the world do those things you worry so much really happen to you do people just uh, you know give you really negative feedback people are amazing i mean i i can't even there's people that i hadn't spoken to in years that came out and actually, you know, said, oh my God, like, you know, I'm still here for you, supporting you. There's bosses that I had at work that actually wrote to me and said, I'm so sorry. I did not realize you had this because, you know, usually I got in trouble <laughs> for stuff. And obviously not, neither did I, but it's, it's completely changed. And I think it makes people understand you. And I think that's vi- vital. It really is. I mean, hiding it is not going to help you just you need to tell people and I'm still very unsure about going into a new job how I would obviously act and how I would decide to do this but I think with people in your past life and and everything they're more open the bow because they need to understand they don't know they're not mind readers they don't know they need to know right so this is very important for whoever is listening, right? If you have similar conditions, you have narcolepsy, really seek support and help people yeah. around you understand what you are going through. Yeah, because I think people sometimes get so caught up in, inside their own heads that they think that nobody can understand them or that. But people have, everybody has their own stuff, you know? They don't, they're not in your body. They don't know what you feel. And I've, I've really recently been um, talking to a lot of people, not just with narcolepsy, but with hypersomnia, with fibromyalgia, with invisible diseases, let's say, how we like to call them. And that's exactly it. They are invisible. So how, are you, how do you expect people to see them? Do you know, you, you can't. <laughs> you have to tell. You have to speak it. Right. Don't expect uh, people just understand automatically or start support yeah. us automatically. We need let people know. We need to reach out to get the, the support, understanding ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I always tell people, it's like me asking you, okay, can you describe what air is like? You know, and you're trying to describe air. Hmm. How, what are you, where do I, you know, if I don't know what air is, how would you describe it to me? Would it be easy? Would I be able to understand even if you did? That's how I like to think of it. <laughs> uh, after listening to all this, I also really like, I want to quote one sentence you write in your Twitter. You said, sleep is not a right, it's a privilege. Yeah, because this actually came from um, this LinkedIn post that I had seen somebody else write. And it's this woman that I follow and I, I love her. She's very, she, I think she's a sleep psychologist as well, something. She was writing about the fact that if you're normal, you wake up, you know, you eat, you breathe, you sleep. Anything that you have, 
you don't appreciate. If you have hands, you don't appreciate your hands. You think that just like that. And I think sleep is something like that. We forget how important it is to the human body. It's vital, but not everybody has it. People that don't have legs, they can appreciate legs. And I think that's what the disability is. And people don't see sleep as not a disability. Because, you know, last week, is so, it's funny, I actually had this a guy come around, technician. Mm-hmm. And he actually gave me the funniest question that I think I've heard in my narcolepsy days. And I, I was, because I love to talk to everyone about it, even the technician, you know, from the cable. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he asked me, he says, he was like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but, but that's not really, isn't a disability something that's wrong with your body? I said, yes, we have a lack of hypocretin in our brains which is the chemical that controls the sleep-wake cycle. Yeah, but people don't see that. They just think sleep is just a habit. It's a, you know, it's something you do. Yeah, I think that's similar to what I do, like mental health, mental disorders, yes. right? And sleep disorders, mm-hmm. they are invisible. Yeah. And when I treat insomnia a lot of time, because insomnia is more psychological, and sometimes I help people understand, you know, reduce the anxiety, your body is not broken, your body knows how to sleep. But I think for narcolepsy, it's different. Our body, our sleep mechanism is broken. Yes, exactly. I think people, if people understood what makes you sleep, what is it that controls the sleep, they would understand that it is a broken thing. See, I never actually knew that about insomnia. That's interesting. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, my, that, sleep, my sister has it. So, you know. Oh, yeah. That's why I think now the first line treatment for insomnia called CBT for insomnia. That's cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Not seeing all insomnia for sure, but most insomnia is psychological. Help people understand what sleep is, what normal sleep is, and understand we don't have to control sleep. And we can change our uh, also like sleep habits, lifestyle in a way, and reduce the anxiety, unnecessary anxiety towards sleep. When we don't care about sleep that much, we don't want to force our body to generate sleep. A lot of times we can sleep better. So that's insomnia. Yeah. Oh, I understand. That makes so much sense. She, she, she's only been having insomnia the last few years. So it's something that's developed as well. It wasn't always there. Right. But I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think sometimes that understanding of, oh, but, you know, I don't sleep either. So, you know, because insomnia is one of my symptoms too. Mm. I don't sleep at night. But then daytime sleepiness is my symptom. Disrupted night sleep. I mean, when I did my sleep test, they found out I woke up 34 times mm. during the night. I don't sleep. My brain never shuts off. And I think sometimes we she gets confused with the insomnia. She's like, I know how you feel. You know, I don't sleep. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a difference there. <laughs> no, insomnia you... one of my symptoms is not the whole disease. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when we see the surface level symptoms are similarly, but mm-hmm. deep down there are different mechanisms there. Yeah, completely. I mean, if you think about I've been researching, well, doing my little research on the effects of sleep and memory. 
because I I feel like my short term memory is just it's going slowly. Uh, you know, I forget the most ridiculous things, and if you think about it, it is it's 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 impossible to not affect your memory. But I don't think I don't know. Maybe I'm, it's just me. <laughs> Maybe yeah, but but I think it's amazing that you've been through this journey, but you never give up. You keep on doing research, keep on learning, keep on trying to understand. Now you are doing more public speaking and trying to tell help more people to understand narcolepsy better. I mean, I think especially this year with the pandemic, we've had a lot of time. You know, <laughs> we have time. You know, people have time as well to listen I don't know what it is about this year but it's actually not been that terrible year for me I'm not going to lie <laughs> probably the only person in the world that can say that but it's been a good year in terms of self-reflection in terms of understanding myself and the quarantine helped with that I actually didn't have so much pressure for me to because when I came out of Angola I wasn't in a good state I did go through a bit of depression I did go through anxiety I I really didn't know what to do because at 30 years old, moving back to your mother's and, you know, leaving a job, your, your country, your everything, you kind of get a bit like midlife crisis. Like, oh my God, what, what do I do? So I think focusing, meeting, you know, having Project Sleep and all that really helped me refocus my, my aim and on what's important because Honestly, I don't think there's any other better job you can do than to help people. So, yeah, that's what I'm focused on. That's it. As many as I can, even if it's one at a day, then I'll try. That's amazing. So if all our listeners right now uh, who are listening want to learn more, or like, do you have any final wisdom to everyone who's listening and who is possibly struggling with their own struggles? Um, I think don't keep it to yourself. Sometimes we're afraid to speak out or afraid that our problem isn't as bad or, or we're just moaning. You know, this is one thing that, because I'm actually in the process of changing my entire blog now, your story matters. Your story matters. And it's so weird because we know that statement as a fact when we think of other people but when we think of our story we think what have i been through you know sometimes you're just like no i don't know what's i don't have a story you do you know and i think to get help to to anything it's just communication is everything in life so reach out to people reach out to groups on facebook you know if you have narcolepsy if you have any type of invisible illness especially and especially in the countries that you know, they don't have as much of a support like Angola and even Portugal. You know, Portugal, I was shocked. We have a Facebook group of 27 people. <laughs> so I think, yeah, you know, we need to definitely join our forces. And that's that's what I wish to do, hopefully. Join forces all over the world and just empower everyone so that nobody feels alone. Yeah, that's lovely. I really love it. So every single voice matters. Every yeah. story matters. Everyone is unique. So listeners, if, if you're listening to this, hopefully you get a message, right? Your story matters. Your life matters. And get help, seek support and speak up. 
So, Eris, how people can find you if our listeners want to read more about your stories, get in touch with you, or follow you? How they can well, do that? Well, I've got my. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. All that. So on Instagram, which is basically where I'm a bit more more presence,、uh, they can go to Life in Flashes Blogger altogether. Life in Flashes is my blog name, and if they wish to read my blog directly, then just go to LorenaIris.wixsite.com/lifeinflashes. But hopefully. You guys can put that on your site because I wouldn't get that either. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Everything, all the links, I will put it on our show note at deepintosleep.co. So when people listen to this episode, they will be able to find the show notes. They will go into directly click get to all your sites. Great. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Iris, for coming to the show today. This is very inspiring. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I cannot believe. I'm, you know, even thought of me. I think that's that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like you said, everyone's story matters, and your story is important. I think to let more people know, and also your upcoming presentations with、uh, Project、yes. Sleep, right? If you have a poster or anything, I'm I would love to put it on the website for you yeah, too. Yeah, because I'm currently doing the Rising Voices. I did the Rising Voices of Narcolepsy Writing Program, which helped me a lot with my blog. And now I'm going to do the speaking one. So hopefully, don't have anything yet because I just started last week. But as soon as we have any information, I'll definitely let you know, and I'll be putting it on my Facebook, on my Instagram, Twitter, everything. Great, great. Then it'll be a Facebook Live on Project Sleep. Cool. So everyone's listening. You know, if you follow Aris and the account, later you will know when the event's going to、yeah. happen. Or even if you follow Project Sleep, that's where it's gonna the live's gonna be. It's not gonna be on my page. Yeah, or Project Sleep. We interviewed、uh, the president of that before in、yes. our show. So I will link all those that episode to your episode also. Link、mm-hmm. them together. I have、so、to like you know put them in there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great organization. It's it's it、uh, similar it's to what、stories. you want to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's why all、it. together unite together.、Yeah. Bigger support, yeah. That's why I'm I'm here today is because of Julie Flagoff. Because if it wasn't for her, honestly, she was very she changed my life, and she knows that. But I have to say it every time. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. I'm sure she would love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Iris, for coming. This is、thank、great you、so、conversation.、Much. You too. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful conversation with Iris. So if you have narcolepsy. Please make sure you get diagnosed, get treatment, and follow up with your doctors. It's an ongoing, lifelong treatment. Don't think medication or any single method can just cure you forever. But you can definitely learn how to live with it, how to manage your life in a different way. If you want to read more about Iris' story, you will find all her links on our show notes at. DeepIntoSleep.co. I really want to take time to thank you, our listeners. I received some really warm, encouraging, nice reviews from you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. 
for liking our show and finding it helpful. And please feel free to let me know what I can do to make the show even better, even more helpful to you. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. You can either email me or leave a voicemail on the website at deepintosleep.co. Next week, we will talk about ADHD and how that impacts our life and sleep. Stay tuned. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.